Thank you to the worship team. Thank you. So, so we continue our series on prayer. And today we are reflecting on Who am I meant to point to that? Um, There we go. Today we're reflecting on finding your voice. In, In the space of prayer, one of the questions I've gotten asked over the years is this. People say sometimes that surely God will do what God wants to do. So what is the point in praying about stuff? If ultimately God would just do God, what is the point with praying? And perhaps this is what we are going to try to reflect on today. Because one of the blessings that Jesus gives to us in the place of prayer is that we get a voice in the affairs of God. Our voice matters our voice carries weight and so we think about Elijah and that famous line from James where James speaks about Elijah as the prayer warrior to aspire to if you like it's like Elijah it's like Elijah was just like you and when Elijah prayed that there was no rain, there was no rain. And when he prayed that there should be rain, there was rain. Come on, be more Elijah, James says. And while James talks about the righteousness of Elijah, he talks about the prayer of a righteous person carries power. This is true. And we talked on it last week that Jesus gives us his righteousness And so we can always stand in the presence of God because of Jesus. We never have to hesitate to come before God because in Christ Jesus we always stand righteous. But there is something that James misses out and that is the key to Elijah's being able to make the most of that righteousness status. And that is the voice that God had given him. God gave him a voice. Whenever Em and I are watching uh, a movie or a series, you know, you're watching a movie or a series and there's your usual cast of the people who usually appear. And then sometimes there's just this random person who shows up. This person has never been in the episode before and will never be in the episode again. But they are random and they just show up. And then if they have a speaking part, if they say something, like they say, oh, the shops are over there, you're like, yeah, something is going to happen to that person. Because why else have they been given a voice? Why have they been given a script here? Something is going to happen. If, if it's like a thriller or horror movie, you're like, yeah, they're going to get killed, aren't they? They're going to get killed. Don't get too attached to Citizen A. But the thing is, in every story where someone has a voice, The writer of the story gives them a significant role. And the people that God gives a voice to have a significant role in the story that he is telling. 
In Elijah's case, Elijah fell in the group of a couple of people that God gave a voice to in the Old Testament called prophets. People who were in many ways foreshadowing what God was going to do for us in Christ. Because the reality is this. When God decided to send rain, God had made the decision that he was going to send rain. So why did Elijah still have to pray for it? If God would just do God, given he'd made the decision that I'm going to send rain now, why did Elijah still need to pray? It goes to the St. Augustine quote when he says, without God, we cannot. But without us, God will not. There's a sense in which when God wants to do something, God always says those words, who shall I send? Who will go for us? Who will partner with me? So for the prophets in the Old Testament, they experienced this. It cost Amos to say, surely God would not do anything without revealing it to his servants, the prophets. Because what Amos would realize is sometimes God will come and God will say to him, oh, the people of Israel have been very naughty and therefore I am going to take my hand away from them and allow this to happen. And Amos will say, oh, please God, don't do that. If you do that, we won't cope. And God will be like, okay, I won't do it. And then God will be like, oh, the people of Israel, they've been so naughty. I'm going to do And then Amos will be like, oh, God, please, God, don't do that. If you do that, we won't cope. And God will be like, okay, okay, I won't do it. And so these people, their voice carries weight before God. It's not a question of, it's amazing. It's not a question of God just doing God. He gives them a voice so that their voice matters. And there's, there's a quite a unique story in scripture that captures this, that you may be familiar with. It's the story of Abraham and Sarah. And you may know that when Abraham is journeying with Sarah and he gets to particular spaces, this is the second time it happens actually. And Abraham gets to this place and he looks at his wife Sarah and he thinks, ah, oh, I've married too well, haven't I? My wife is too, too attractive. And he thinks, if these guys see my wife, she's going to be too attractive. They're going to say, let's kill him and marry his wife. So he, he somehow convinces Sarah to, he says, when we get there, my love, my love, when we get there, just tell them that you're my sister. Tell them you're my sister so it's all good. So Abraham... The father of faith, he convinces his wife to pretend she's his sister. So as Abraham predicts, they get to this place. Abimelech the king, he, he says, oh, this lady is very beautiful. Abraham says, yes, yeah, she's my sister. It's all good. Don't kill me. And Abimelech takes Sarah into his haram. But in the night, God shows up in his dream. And God basically says to Abimelech, he basically says to him, you have taken my boy's wife, I am going to kill you. God literally says that, I am going to kill you. And Abimelech is like, oh, I, I didn't know. He, he, said, he said it was his sister. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know. And, and God says, okay, fine. 
I get it that you didn't know. But what's unique that God says is God tells him, ask Abraham to pray for you because he's a prophet. Then I won't kill you. Ask Abraham to pray for you and then it will be okay. That's interesting because God doesn't just say to him, all right, fine, I've heard you, it's okay, we're square, just kill some rams and some goats and it'll be all good. Instead, God says, you need to go to someone who I've given a voice, you need to ask him to speak for you and then it'll be okay. Incredible that God gave these people such a say. But it wasn't a careless It wasn't a careless use of that responsibility because what the prophets realized was the voice that they had, the speaking part that they had in the story that God was telling was very connected to the name that they were carrying, the name of God's prophets. And so they could only use, if they were going to use their voice well, If they're going to have that kind of prayer that James spoke about, that when they cried out to God, there was great power, there was wonderful results, if they were going to experience that, they needed to use their voice in line with the name that they were given. Otherwise, it just wouldn't work. And for the prophets of God, the servants of God, as Amos understood, their role, I love the way someone phrased it when he said, their role was to represent the people before God and God before his people. So they carried out God's purposes, brought God's words to his people, but they also interceded for the people that God gave them to. And as long as they stayed in that space, their prayer life was quite powerful. Whenever they would speak, God would respond. Whenever they would carry out God's word, it would happen. They experienced the kind of prayer life that James spoke about. As long as they honored the name that they were standing in God's presence with. And I I say all this and I go round and round in circles just to bring us to the point of What name do we stand in God's presence in? Because there is always the temptation to go from having a role in the story that God is telling to wanting to be a director of that story. To say, God, let me me write the story. Let me be an actor and a script writer of the story. But the question is always, in whose name do we stand before God? Because it is in the name that we stand that if we use our voice in accordance with the name that we hold, that is when we experience the power of prayer. The power of having a voice in the affairs of God's kingdom. Jesus says, when you ask in my name. When you ask in my name. And that pretty much means that because we stand in God's presence in the name of Jesus, we have to pray 
as though it was Jesus who was praying. If Jesus was in our shoes, how would he pray? Because we are standing there not in our own name, but in Christ's name. And God gives, and that is the voice that we hold in the presence of God, the voice of Jesus. And so how does Jesus pray? Because don't forget, the reality is this, that what Christ has given us in a voice is, is quite significant. It means that we have a say in the affairs of what God is doing today. So whether we are praying for healing, whether we are praying for loved ones to give their lives to Christ, whether we are praying for whatever we are praying for, Jesus says, you have a voice. If you do it in my name, the Father will respond and your joy will be complete. But the question that always bugged me for a long time is that sense of, so what does that look like? When we were kids, they told us that praying in Jesus' name was just saying, in Jesus' name, at the end of the prayer. But I've, I found out that after years and years of praying for Man United to win a game in the name of Jesus, that it just wasn't working. I was like, this, there's something broken about what they taught me in Sunday school. This stuff doesn't work. What does it mean like to pray in the name of Jesus, to pray like Christ was praying. There were three things that captured the prayer life of Jesus. There was a love and availability and a presence towards God and towards others. If we look at Jesus' prayer life, and we know that Jesus often went off on his own to pray, and we see the fruit of Jesus' prayer life in his ministry. In many ways, Jesus' walk on earth was a continuous prayer walk. And we know that at the heart of Jesus' prayers was a love for God and a love for people. At the heart of Jesus' prayer was a love for God and a love for people. Everything that Jesus did, whether he healed, whether he gave forgiveness, whether he dwelt with those who were broken, everything that Jesus did, every prayer that Jesus prayed came from that space, that he loved his father and he loved people. We would often see that whenever Jesus would, would heal, whenever Jesus would do anything he did, he would be moved by deep compassion for the sufferings of others. And every cry to the Father, because Jesus would say, I do nothing unless what I see the Father doing, because every cry to his Father came from that space. And so there was a question, even as I reflected on it last week, at the heart of my prayers, at the heart of my prayer life, is it a love for God and for people, or is it a love for myself? Is it, oh God, I really, really love Andy, and so it would be nice if you did this, that, and the other. Maybe not saying those words. But if I looked at the heart of everything I prayed for, would I find me at the bottom of it? 
I wonder what it is for you. If you reflect on your prayers, who do you find at the heart of it? Do you find a love for God and a love for others? Or do you find a sense of, I want me to do well, and so I pray? Do we often only find ourselves in the places of prayer during the times of struggle? At the heart of Jesus' prayer was a love for his father. And a love for others. Jesus is, at the heart of Jesus' prayer was also an availability. Jesus making himself available to God for what God wants. But also making himself available to others for what they want too. Even the one time that Jesus gives himself permission to pray for what he wanted. In the garden of Gethsemane. He still goes back to what the Father wants. He still says, but yet what you want, not what I want. I don't know about you, but this one is a very challenging one for me. That sense of saying, God, this is what I want, but what do you want? What do you want in this? My prayers are normally like, God, this is what I want, and you know that what I want is good, right? You know that what I want is kind of, you know, God. If you would just do things my way, just this one time, you will know that everything will be fantastic. But as someone once said, you know, disciples of Jesus never get to get to the end of the journey and sing Frank Sinatra's I did it my way. It doesn't, it doesn't work for disciples of Jesus. At the heart of Jesus' prayer was, Father, what do you want? What do you want? But also at the heart of his prayers was, ask, was what others wanted as well. I always found it remarkable that when Jesus met others, like for example, when a blind man is brought before Jesus, Jesus would always say to him, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And I always thought about that because whenever I was reading it, I'd be like, uh, Jesus, he's a little bit blind. It might mean be that he wants to see. That might be what it is. But Jesus would always ask the question, never impose, never assume, always say, what do you want? And that was a challenge to me as well in the place of prayer because when journeying with others, my natural inclination is to just pray for what I think they may want. Basically, what I want for them in that situation is what I would pray for, because I'll just assume good intentions, but I assume that, yeah, I'll just pray this. If they're feeling sad, I'll just pray for them to be happy. If they're feeling lonely, I'll just pray for them to... For Jesus, he was always making himself available to others. What do you want? What do you want from me? For the one who could have given them anything and everything, he would always ask the question. And he always asked the question of his father as well. What do you want? Not my will, but yours. In the place of prayer, is that our posture? Or is it more a case of, God, this is what I want? as good intentioned as it may be. 
But we are praying in the name of Jesus. And this is how he prays. And Jesus' prayer was also shaped by being present. Present with God, present with others. Jesus always created space to be alone with God. Jesus always created space to be with other people. Because then Jesus knew what was in God's heart. Jesus knew what was in people's hearts. And Jesus knew how to bring it together. He knew God. He took time to know others. And so he knew exactly what he needed to be praying for. He knew where they came together. He knew how to bring people alive to what God was doing in their story. Jesus, fully present with God, fully present with others. We talk about that sense of listening well. Listening to understand, not listening to respond. That sense of just being fully present with the other person. Many times we're with God, but our minds are everywhere else. And many times we're with each other, but our minds are everywhere else. Maybe some of you are doing that right now. But God, but Jesus in his prayer life, there was a sense of being fully present so that he could know he knew how to bring God and his people together. This is how Christ prayed. And this is how he calls us to pray. Because don't forget that fundamental truth. That when God wants to do something, he looks for those that he will co-partner with. Many times he co-partners with us in the space of prayer. So there can be so many spaces that could experience the move of God and the grace of God and the power of God if only God's people knew how to use their voice. If only God's people knew how to pray. God would say about his people Israel, he will say that my people perish because they do not know my ways. There's a story in the Old Testament. You may be familiar with it. It's Isaac. Isaac is old and graying and getting a bit blind. And he has two sons, Esau and Jacob. Now Esau... Esau has the name that is going to receive the blessing from Isaac. Esau's name will receive the blessing. Jacob doesn't have the name that will receive the blessing. But his mom wants him to have the blessing, not Esau. There's the whole debate about do we have favorite children? Well, they did. And so what she does for Jacob is that she says, you know, put on Esau's robe 
so you smell like him. Put on his, some fur on your skin so you feel like him. And then go to your father Isaac. So Jacob goes in there in the name of Esau. And there's a unique part in the story where Isaac says to him, he says, you feel like Esau, but you sound like Jacob. And sometimes when I'm standing before God and Jesus gives us that wonderful grace, where he clothes us with his garments of righteousness and he covers us with his blood. So when we are stood before God, what he sees is the righteousness of Christ. It is as though it was Christ himself standing before God. But then I ruin it when I open my mouth. Because God is like, you look like Jesus, but you sound like ND too much. What's all this Man United stuff? You look like Jesus, but you still sound like envy. Your prayers are still about a love for yourself. Your prayers are still about what you want. Your prayers are still without being present with me and present with others. You have the righteousness of Christ. You have the blood of Christ, you have the voice, but you haven't figured out how to use it. There is a provision made for all of God's children that when we stand before God and when we lift up our voices to pray, God says yes. Because the Bible says that all of God's promises are yes for us in Christ Jesus. But the name in which we stand in God's presence is important. It's important to getting in and it's important to how we use our voice. So let us learn to pray in the name of Jesus. Let us learn to have a prayer life that is based on a love for God and a love for others. Let us learn to have a prayer life that seeks not after what we want, as fantastic as it may be, but seeks after what God's heart is and what others may want in their journey. And let us aspire to have a prayer life that is fully present, let us make space to be fully present with God. Let us make space to be fully present with others. And then perhaps if James were to write his epistle again, perhaps it will be us he will speak of. Perhaps he will say, Bill was just a man like you. And he prayed and rain fell, whatever Bill prays for. And he prayed and the rain didn't fall. Perhaps James will write the same about us. There's one final thing in praying in the name of Jesus. But we'll deal with that next week. Ooh, on the edge. Let us pray. Let us pray. As the worship team come back, let us pray. Lord,
You have given us your name. So many times we do not know, um, yeah, we do not know what is in our hand. We do not know how to use it. But we thank you for your Holy Spirit. And we pray, Lord, that as we go into the week ahead, knowing, oh God, so much that you are a God of love, you are a God who's always at work. Father, invite us, we pray, into what you are doing in our world. Invite us and teach us through your Holy Spirit how to use our voices in prayer so that in all the spaces that we find ourselves, people come alive to the presence of Jesus Christ. People come alive to your hands moving in that story. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a voice. Please teach us how to use it. In Jesus' name, amen.